This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. It's great to see those videos, those two ladies. I know it's the same lady, but it's great to remember that there's a human element in this story. There's people going through things, people experiencing things, people who had expectations for their lives, for their children, people who had already preconceived ideas about the future and what it might entail and what might develop. You know, we, have to, we have to remember that there's a human element to this. It's a life-changing moment for both these women, Mary and Elizabeth. They were going to experience things. And they were going to go through things. That The birth of the child was going to be the smallest start. The things that were ahead were going to be life-changing, beyond what they could have imagined. Yes, Elizabeth might have known that um, this was going to be the one, that John the Baptist was going to be the one that would prepare the way for Jesus with the Messiah. But did she really understand the full implications of it? Did she really understand what would happen? Did Mary truly understand what it entailed to be the mother of the Messiah, the mother of Jesus? All those ideas, all those expectations, as, as natural parents, as natural mothers, they had hopes and dreams. They, I'm sure they hoped that their children would, be, would go through a healthy pregnancy and the children would be fine. I'm sure they hoped that the children would grow up and they'd have a nice life and they'd be happy and they'd have good things and they would fulfill what God had planned for them. I'm sure they had all these expectations. I'm sure when they daydreamed, they imagined they, what would happen and where this child would be, what they would be, how well they would be accepted. No one imagines that their child would go through what they went through. We hope that they will go through the best. So whenever they considered their babies, as they carried them for them nine months, I'm sure they, they had a whole bunch of expectations wrapped up in what their lives would be like for these children. And it's only natural. But we have to take a wee bit of a step back. We think about these mothers and their expectations, but we have to take a wee step back and think about God, to think about his expectations. What we're looking at played out in both the lives of these women and through their children was a dynamic act of a loving God towards a resentful and rebellious world. A dynamic act of love. God was going above and beyond. He was displaying his love to us as mankind in a real and powerful way. What better way to demonstrate love than through an act of humiliation? An act where I humbled myself. That's what God did. He humbled himself. It says that God humbled himself and he took on flesh. The wonder of it all. The amazing truth of it. We have Jesus born in the midst of this, this world. In the midst of a family going through a whole traveling to Bethlehem. We have things happening in the culture and in the society. There's upheaval. There's a time of change for the family. Mary was no longer going to be the simple little girl. She was now going to be a mother. She was on her way she was to have other children, starting out a new relationship over this last while with Joseph. 
It was all change for her. Tonight, I want to look at Jesus in this context, how Mary had all her ideas and all her expectations wrapped up in Jesus, what it really meant to be the Messiah, what she thought it meant to be the Messiah, what the nation had thought it was going to be, what was going to happen here. She was a mother. She didn't know what the pain would be like at childbirth. She didn't know what it would be like to have a child running over and throwing themselves into her arms. She could imagine these things, but she had expectations and hopes. And when we consider Jesus tonight, I want us to look at him in, in three ways. Not just wrapped up in expectation. That was what Mary was. We want to take a step back. I want to look at a moment at, for, at Jesus wrapped up in prophecy. Because he didn't just come out of the blue. It wasn't just a good idea that God had had nine months before. And he said, I know the best way to reconcile myself with mankind is to send my son. That'll do it. That'll sort it. He planned it well, well before that. He decided many, many, many years before that that he would do this. Justin Martyr, one of the early church fathers, writing to one of the Roman emperors, he said, this is 100, he says, um, 150 years after Jesus' birth, he says, we will now offer proof, trusting more assertions, but being of necessity persuaded by those who prophesied of him before these things came to pass. Being of necessity persuaded by those who prophesied of him before these things came to pass. Jesus' life from his birth to his ascension into heaven was filled with fulfilling prophecy. Over and over again, the life of Jesus was wrapped in prophecy. The outworking of God's promise to the nation of Israel. As Caitlin read there from Luke, in Luke 131, it says, And behold, you will conceive. This is the angel talking to Mary. You'll conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you'll call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And, his, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is, born, who is to be born will be called the Son of God. There was an expectation that was building. God had prophesied that he would send the Holy One, the Anointed One. In Matthew one twenty-two, it says, And so all this is done, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Amen. The nation was aware of these things. The expectation was rising at this time. They knew that this was a time something had to happen. They knew it was, it was tangible in the air. They actually have archaeologically found over 70 graves in Israel from this time with the name Yeshua, which is the, the, obviously the Hebrew version of Jesus in the Greek. 
So the expectation was maybe I'll be the one to carry the Messiah. Maybe I'll be the one to have the Messiah that will deliver our people. Now Mary's the only one that had a visitation from an angel. She was the only one who was a virgin. The verses I've just read there from Matthew talking about, behold, a virgin shall be with child, uh, shall you know, be with child and bear a son. That's a direct quote from Isaiah 7, 14. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Amen. This was a prophecy to the nation, what, some 700 years before? See, God didn't just say, right, today's the day, let's just do it now. I've got a plan, let's just go with it. He's been planning well before the day for what would come ahead. I mean, it's mind-blowing to consider that 700 years before Jesus was born, that God said he would be born of a virgin. And he fulfilled it. He did exactly what he said he would do. Now consider the wise men. Remember, they came from the east. They were following the star. And as they followed the star, the star went out. And then they came to Jerusalem and they said, where is he who's be, to be the king of the Jews? There's a remark, uh, Matthew 2, 2, and it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who is, uh, was to be born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Troubled because the king was troubled. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them, where is the Christ to be born? So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And then they do a direct quote again from Micah this time. Micah 5 verse 2 says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathath, Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler over Israel, Amen. whose goings forth are from old and from everlasting. Amen. Again, this is written in the 8th century before Christ. Is it coincidental? I don't think so. I think God has a plan. He had a plan, as we, if you were reminded this morning by Brother John. God had a plan. And his plan was being fulfilled. We read this now in hindsight of, a, of we have a New Testament and we can look back in these things. But the reality that God made a plan and God set out to fulfill it. And it was fulfilled. Isaiah 9 verse 6, which is a fabulous passage I absolutely love this passage. Uh, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Again, that's from the 8th century before Christ. So if you're talking 700 years before Christ was born. 
which is an echo of the prophecy that was given to David. Remember, David was prophesied and promised that his throne would be established and last forever, which was written 900 years before Christ came along. So Jesus didn't come as in a to vacuum. He didn't come just off the cuff. God had a plan set in motion hundreds and hundreds of years before he arrived. For those of us who know Christ tonight, this is a great comfort to us to know. It's, a, it's an assurance for us that God is a promise keeper. He keeps his promises. Maybe not in the way we expected. Mary didn't quite ex- know what to expect. Her expectations were filled with the idea of a conquering, uh, of a conquering Messiah, maybe. Although she did treasure these things up in her heart. She remembered all that the, the angel had said to her and the warnings in his, in his promise. These are only a few of the prophecies that surround the birth of Christ. There's many, there is others. There's some over 200 prophecies about Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection. Prophecies throughout Scripture that were prophesied, promised by God. If you don't like the word prophesied, promised by God hundreds and hundreds of years before. Thank you, God. No one was ever born with so much, so much wrapped up in him. Prophecies and promises, expectation. So Jesus was certainly wrapped in prophecy. But he was also wrapped in history. There's so much history surrounding the birth of Christ. It was one of the greatest, at the time, one of the greatest empires in the, in the known world. And certainly one of the big ones in, in history was in existence at the time, the Roman Empire. It was an unparalleled time of, of peace uh, throughout the world and throughout the region. They talk about the Pax Romana, which is the Roman peace. You, don't, you daren't not in those days break the Roman peace. And isn't it wonderful that at the time with the greatest peace on earth, 50 years of unparalleled peace, isn't it wonderful at the time of unparalleled peace that the Prince of Peace was born? Isn't that wonderful? When we read the scriptures and we read these stories, when we read about uh, Jesus being born and Mary and Joseph and their journey to Bethlehem, we're not reading a fictitious story. We're not reading something that's being made up we're not reading something like The Hobbit. Once upon a time, there was a hobbit who lived in the ground in a wee place called the Shire. We're reading about real people in real situations going through real experiences. We read the scriptures, and it's not mythology. Yes, we've got a bit of romance added to it by our traditions. We've got a wee bit of fantasy and our, our, our images of the, the manger, the clean and spotless manger and the nice cows and there's no dung anywhere and there's no smell or anything. We've got all these things in our heads and they're all nice wee, wee traditions. But this is a reality here. Jesus actually was born. When you read the New Testament, you don't read something that is fictitious. It reads more like a narrative. It reads almost like a news headlines. You know, a newspaper today in Bethlehem, a, a young family arrived. You read about real people in real places who went through real experiences. Luke chapter 1, verse 1 starts with this wonderful, wonderful set, set up for his book. It, said, it says, Inasmuch as many have taken in full to set in order a narrative, narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, 
just as those who, who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things which you were instructed. So we have that expectation, that story in our minds. And we've seen the movies and we've seen the, the plays and we've got a whole romantic idea of what it was. But it, there's a kernel of truth. The story itself is true. There actually was a Mary. She actually did have a child. That child was Jesus who actually lived on this earth who actually went to the cross, who actually died, who actually rose again. See, there's facts that we are believing tonight. Yes, there's a story and it's wonderful and it's magical. The story is that it, we were visited earth, that God didn't just create us as the deist. And we were told this morning, God didn't create us and just leave us to spin into space hurtle into space on our own. No, we have a God who loves us. Amen. Jesus here at the center of history transformed mankind in a way that, that many of us don't even understand. Mankind has been transformed on levels that, that they, the man in the street don't appreciate. The transformation to our culture, to the way we interact with one another, to the way we interact men and women, in families and societies and expectations from hospitals to schools to orphanages to food programs to morals to values to so many places Jesus has affected through his teachings through his life through his death life's transformed he changed it all this is the quote I want to read this is from James C. Hefley. He said, Here is a man who was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. And then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never owned a home. He never had a family. He never went to college. He never put his foot inside a big city. He never traveled 200 uh, miles from the place where he was born. He never did one of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He had nothing to do with this world except the naked power of his divine manhood. <laughs> While still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. His executioners gambled for the only piece of property he had on earth while he was dying, and that was his coat. When he was dead, he was taken down and led in a barred grave through the pity of a friend. Such was his human life. He rises from the dead. Nineteen wide centuries have come and gone today, and today he is the centerpiece of the human race and the leader of the column of progress. 
I am within the mark when I say that all the armies that ever marched, all the navies that were ever built, and all the parliaments that ever sat, and all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as has that one solitary life. Jesus was wrapped in prophecy. He was wrapped in history. And finally, he was wrapped in mystery. Truly, he was wrapped in mystery. Psalmist says in Psalm Psalm chapter 8, verse 6, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visited him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Why would he go to such lengths? Such extraordinary lengths. Humble himself. Come and live amongst the beings that he created. Walk those dirty old streets of Israel. Suffer hunger, tiredness, anxiety at times. Why would he do that? What does he know about us? that we don't know? What did he see of value in us that we don't see? That he would endure all of that. That's a mystery. That he would endure that for us. It's a wonderful mystery. Oh, it's a wonderful mystery. As you're reminded this morning, John 3 and 16... For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What a Christmas present that was. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What a God we serve. What a mighty God to go to such lengths. Jesus was wrapped in the mystery of why God would go to such extraordinary lengths to bring us into relationship with him. Why the God of all creation would humble himself, be born into a poor family, choose to identify with everyday people in everyday situations. Help them do good. After spending his life with us, he still gave his life for us on Calvary. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Short verse in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, it says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I think tonight we can appreciate his indescribable gift to us. This Christmas, remember the indescribable gift that God has given to you and to me. The gift that is wrapped in prophecy, the gift that is wrapped in history, and the gift that is wrapped in mystery. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.